This is the Startup Club Podcast, where every week we feature local experts and successful entrepreneurs from around San Antonio. In each episode, we aim to educate and inspire small business owners just like you. I'm your host, Samuel Reen, and with my co-host, Derek Bull, we hope you enjoy the show. And don't forget, you can join the Startup Club for free at sastartupclub.com. Hey guys, this is Sam Reen with the Startup Club. I'm excited today because this is the first time we've ever done a live podcast. We were invited to come uh, do this show at San Antonio Startup Week. Huge shout out to Game Day Media for setting up the equipment for us and providing us the recording and supporting the show. Uh, Game Day Media is an awesome podcast. Go check them out and support a local San Antonio podcast. Huge thank you to John Largent for setting that up for us. Also, Matthew Espinoza from SA Business Calendar. We're going to have him on the show as soon as we can uh, because he's a great, uh, great influence here in San Antonio startup uh, community. And he is also responsible for getting us the hookup there at the San Antonio Startup Week. So huge thank you to both those guys. Um, so shout out there. But this was uh, an exciting episode and I know you're going to love it. Before I get to that though, I got a couple announcements. Number one is our book, the San Antonio uh, Startup Club Official Guidebook, that's How to Start and Grow a Business in San Antonio, is for sale now on Amazon. Now, members can get the book for free, so if you want to join the Startup Club, you go to startupclub.com, sastartupclub.com, join the club, totally free, and you can get the book there and read it on there for free. But if you'd like to support the club or have an electronic copy of the book that you can read at any time from anywhere on any device, go to Amazon and search How to Start and Grow a Business in San Antonio. All right, next is our sponsor for today's show. There's a better way to fund your business. Accessing small business funding shouldn't be complicated or time-consuming. So Cabbage developed a simple way to get up to $100,000 fast. They've provided over $4 billion in funding to more than 130,000 businesses. Their dedicated team of professionals is committed to exceeding your expectations. So give them a try today at sastartupclub.com slash cabbage. All right, guys, real quick about this episode. We wanted to have the Port of San Antonio, Port San Antonio, on the show because we believe what gives small businesses their edge in the competitive market is their ability to adapt and innovate, to quickly pivot to new technology and opportunities. And I believe Port San Antonio is going to be both of those things. As you hear Mr. Marcel Johnson talk about Port San Antonio and the plans that they have for that area, listen for opportunities for small businesses, not only for getting in there and setting up a manufacturing plant, um, testing out your products and some of their test labs and and ranges, um, everything from blowing things up to getting on there and trying to hack a system like they have it all at Port San Antonio. There's also more opportunities for more retail space. Like there's going to be thousands of software developers down there and techies that are, they're building this community and creating jobs. They're trying to bring thousands of jobs there and someone's got to be there to provide coffee and food and lunch and stuff like that. So if you've ever, if you're thinking about starting a business, 
especially in the food space, there's a lot of opportunity down there as business and innovation is heading towards the Port of San Antonio. The best thing you can do as a small business owner is to get in the path of that innovation and get in front of it and get in the way and you're going to benefit as it kind of rises all boats. So I'm excited to have Mr. Marcel Johnson on the show uh, to talk about the amazing opportunities that are going on out there. So with that, we'll start the show. Thank you. All right. I'll have to remember to uh, eat the microphone, as they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It does have to be kind of close, it sounds like. All right, well, uh, guys, I'm Sam Reen, and this is uh, Derek Bull. We're here with the Startup Club, and the Startup Club is a nonprofit uh, we're dedicated to helping San Antonio small businesses connect and grow. Um, Part of our job is to showcase the resources that are available to small businesses in San Antonio. And so today we're super excited to have Mr. Marcel Johnson, the Vice President of Business Development for the Port of San Antonio here with us today to talk about the port. And that's going to be a good resource for small businesses we talked a little bit before. So, sir, I'll uh, hand it over to you. What is the Port of San Antonio? Okay, so Port San Antonio. Uh, obviously, it is not a shipping and uh, receiving uh, dock, as its name might imply, but uh, the port is the former Kelly Air Force Base, um, which was closed or announced the closure in 95, effectively closed in 2001, conve- conveyed to the community at that time. Um, port San Antonio is probably the third or fourth iteration uh, of the former Kelly, uh, from the Greater Kelly Development Corps, Dela- Greater Kelly Development Authority, Kelly USA, and as I mentioned, now it's uh, been Port San Antonio for about a decade uh, plus. And our purpose is to repurpose that former air base into a, uh, an economically viable site for San Antonio, uh, to cr- attract industry, and, and essentially create jobs, create jobs for the ones that were lost as a result of the, the base realignment and closure. So when you ask what we are today, um, let's, let's first of all think about what Kelly was. It was a, 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 one of the multiple depot maintenance facilities for the Air Force where they did heavy engine and airframe maintenance on a variety of aircraft. Um, if you consider Kelly's history and what that means, uh, taking doing maintenance on old aircraft, um, there are planes that are flying today that were built uh, in the early 70s before I was born. And they're still flying today, but they're not the same aircraft. Yeah, absolutely. So they've been modernized, they've been upgraded. So San Antonio, even though it hasn't been defined as this, but it's always been a place for applied technology. And so as we look at our future, <clears throat> excuse me, that is what we're focused on. We're really trying to promote and uh, demonstrate that we have an, a site that's ideally suited for the application of the latest technologies and tools into mature platforms and in industries such as aerospace, the automotive industry. It's applicable and could be applied to uh, industrial controls of any sector, up to and including things that are of a national security concern. If you're talking about things that um, involve our electrical grid, our utilities, and I'm also alluding to another key activity that's been at the port for about 80 years, uh, dating back to World War II, and that is the, the intelligence op- activities uh, at Lackland Air Force Base. Um, unbeknownst to a lot of people, <clears throat> San Antonio has, has a long and rich history in intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance. 
And through the years, those uh, intelligence missions have evolved into what we pretty much know and refer to today as a cyber mission. Um, complementary to some extent, but uh, the fact is a lot of that exists in and at the port uh, has grown over the past decade and a half and um, other government agencies, um, National Security Agency, other uh, intelligence groups have a presence here in San Antonio. So if you factor in all of that, that concentration of defense work, intelligence agencies, uh, the aircraft maintenance that is there being performed by companies like Boeing, Standard Aero, Chromaloy, and what that represents, what that looks like in today's industries. Um, there's some dots that can be that, that I can connect as I talk about it further. But as we connect those dots, we start to see that there's a whole different story to be told about San Antonio, about our potential for the future, and and problems we can solve for not only this the local area, uh, people throughout the state, but we're talking about a play that can be transformational and impactful for the world. And how it ties into small businesses is that we have at our site, as I mentioned, um, some large defense contractors, Lockheed Martin, Northrop, Boeing, pretty notable uh, groups that uh, are quite frankly, uh, some play in the cyber security space, some play in the aircraft maintenance space, some both at our site. I think it's cool for the audience to know that they have the presidential aircraft coming in and out of Kelly sometimes because, I mean, so we have defense contractors there. You mentioned that, yeah. not me, because <laughs> yeah. um, we, uh, for the most part, are, haven't been um, at liberty to really discuss that, although the company has made it pretty public in that, yes, there will be not only uh, maintenance that's been going on for several years now, but uh, manufacturing of the new uh, Air Force One. So yes, so way to go, Derek. Completely, yeah, I just recovered something. There. Yeah. So, but but no, yeah. we're good. But it's it's no longer a secret. So we're not going to be. You know, <laughs> uh, you're not going to get a knock on the door. But anyway, that's your background. You guys are come from that world. But let's think about. Let's talk about that. Let's consider what's being done when you talk about maintaining what's essentially one of the most sophisticated flying pieces of equipment in the world, and what maintenance of an aircraft like that means. So we're talking about. Uh, advanced avionics. We're talking about communication systems that, you know, satellite communications and others that allow them to do things that we wouldn't otherwise think could happen on an aircraft like that. But the securing of those communication lines as well. All of that is applicable, applicable to commercial airlines as well. You and I, we like to use our Wi-Fi, our devices aboard Southwest Airlines, American Airlines, and we want the comfort and confidence to know that hey, my personal data is not being you know, pilfered or taken. Um, I want to know that, um, oh, by the way, the, the, the instruments in the cockpit, uh, they're also secure because, as you well know, um, today planes are pretty much flying computers. So you're, you're talking a lot about uh, cybersecurity, and um, I guess for those in the room, that, what that means is there's got to be a lot of skip space down there, which is hard to come by. And um, how much of your square footage uh, would you estimate, or do you have plans to grow that skip space? So it's all, as you probably know, it's all based on a uh, requirement by the government partner in this case. And so uh, while we do have secure facilities, they are maintained and, and managed by the tenants that are there. In some cases, the Air Force. In some cases, some of our, our tenants who have built out classified environments or environments to carry out classified work. 
Now, we will, we will and have built out facilities in a shell uh, uh, manner, if you will, because, yes, we understand there is a need, there is a deficit locally. We know that as a community, if we want to, one, continue to support the existing cyber operations from the defense side, that as they grow, they're going to need facilities. You're familiar with contracting, that being your background in the Air Force, that um, the MILCON, the dollar for military construction, are very, it, it's very... They're long. not there. Yeah, yeah. It's not there in some <laughs> cases. And then when it gets here, it is there. It's going to be long before it's delivered. So uh, if we want to seize opportunities now, we have to be creative and think about ways in which we can support the growing missions and demand for uh, cyber operations and um, cybersecurity uh, work done by the Air Force. I think... And I think the important thing that Sam kind of touched on is that SCIF space, which is uh, essentially classified space for small businesses, mm -hmm. is going to be really good for a small business owner or a small company to then latch on to uh, because it's expensive. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll be able to possibly use that pre-skiffed out space mm -hmm. or the space that's capable of getting that authority yeah. uh, pretty quickly. Yeah, so one model that we have, one thing we understand is that there are a number of small businesses that quite frankly, our primes on some uh, contracts with the, with the government. And some of the requirements are that they have uh, or conduct, do their reading and responding and uh, re uh, submit reports and things like that within a secure environment. They're not just available along Loop 410 or anything like that. Yes, they have to be built to a specific standard, be it NSA, DIA, or whoever the, the accrediting agency happens to be but it's all based on the contract vehicle or the contract requirement. Now, our thing is we've learned that there is a way to develop a space that can be a shared environment. Again, it would be managed by a, facility, a, a security-cleared facility operator who would essentially manage the tenants who, again, would have the authority and the need to access the shared skiff space that they'd be managing. So. That's part of our plan and our goal, and we get into the second and third phases of uh, our, our what we call our innovation center and our tech community. We just uh, completed a 90,000 square foot building uh, this past April. Uh, I will tell you in terms of proposals that are out there and in the, in the amount of interest in that space, uh, we're oversubscribed by almost a factor of two. It's a good problem to have. It is. And so... Um, We've, our, our board of directors has already authorized us to uh, execute on the next building. As soon as this first one is 50% leased, I will say we're about a third of the way uh, you know, uh, in terms of its occupancy. Lockheed Martin's our anchor tenant um, that we're proud to have on site. Um, they have some significant plans, as do a number of other prominent companies. But the point is we built the shell, and then they finish it out to the standard and the requirements that they need. And the future buildings will be such that we'll actually carve out a significant amount of space that will include conference rooms, like say reading rooms, and an office space that people that have need, smaller companies, so you're not paying a premium to build up and build out, you know, a SCIF. This will be something that hopefully will be uh, maintained and available and perhaps even transferable as a contract transfer from one uh, company to another but again, still with, with it being contracted by the same government agency. And uh, is your goal to allow for some of these, I mean, large, in the case of Lockheed Martin, but also small businesses to be able to 
Cool. Uh, rub elbows with Absolutely. each other in the lobby or when you're going to get lunch, yeah. meet some people. So, so let me talk about that because this really, because I, 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 when I sat down, when we started out, I, I really, to try to touch on a lot of things, I was kind of helter-skelter all over the map on some things. Let me explain what we have. So because of the the aerospace activities and because of the cybersecurity you know, presence that we have and the amount of interest and the, the growth in some of these sectors that we're seeing, what we see is our ability to play a role in supporting San Antonio's larger tech scene and to fill some voids and some needs that have been identified as deficiencies for our community. So let's talk about geekdom and we talk about uh, some of the people within the shared space. You know, we hear two things. One, the, the venture capital here locally is not here, that companies have to go outside the community, you have to look for buyers and people to um, acquire your tools elsewhere, right, to commercialize outside. Um, the other thing is that, you know, while we have some very creative and talented people developing some really cool stuff that are applicable to a lot of things, where do you showcase that? Where do you test, validate, and demonstrate that it can be used by this medical company or by this heavy industrial user or whomever it may be? Military. Military. So you don't have a garage downtown to tinker and build and test and, you know, screw up and rebuild, right? We have that space. So we, we, we propose two things as a value proposition to the ecosystem, if we to use that term that's widely used, but to the this is community-wide. The way we see it is we've got companies like Boeing, I'll use them as an example, that are quite happy, have been here for 20 years. In fact, they'll celebrate their 20th year uh, anniversary here coming up you know, pretty soon. Happy with the maintenance work, the, the as we call the touch labor work that they're doing here. They love San Antonio. But then we'll read about them announcing some 700-person um engineering, software engineering, design group, setting up in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And, you know, we'll ask the question, did you all ever consider San Antonio for that? And I said, well, you know, in, 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 in no uncertain terms, they would really express that they weren't sure San Antonio had the capacity. Hmm, yeah, same, yeah. yeah, same thing we say. Yeah, it seems contrary to what I believe, but uh, I think we got a lot of really good people is, here. That's, that's in UT. Well, that's a good opportunity to shout out that UTSA is moving its cybersecurity stuff, its yeah. business school, its big data center down yep. to the downtown area, Indeed. which is a hop away uh, from you guys. And not only that, but a lot of the partners that are part of these. It's hard to show people a cubicle farm yeah. or even just a bunch of office buildings downtown and say, look, look at all the innovation that's happening. Right. But when I show you, I mean, it seems like you're the equivalent of a research park that would be at most big well, let, universities, too. Yeah, let me cage this for a second. So it, we're talking about what you need to start a startup or any software development company. You need a facility, uh, which is kind of your top layer, and that includes infrastructure, access to the Internet, Cloud Foundry, all that. And then you, the next level is people, and then bottom is like ODCs, build out, other direct costs, you know. Uh, I don't disagree with you at all. We have a great amount of talent here. The people, I think we've got covered. San Antonio is full of. Um, it's what sounds like you guys are in the realm of is that top layer providing the, the facility and the, the kind of the framework. And like you said, I think it's a great location. You're down there between two major highways. You have access to the runway and access to a train station even, I believe, right? 
and, and the, the transportation and logistics capabilities that are there are just their assets that are used for the various industrial activities. So in the case of the airfield, it's important because of the, the aeronautical activities, the maintenance activities happening at Boeing. You can't fly a plane in here to do work on it if you don't have a runway. So that's the critical, that's the, one of the most important assets we have. Uh, same thing with the rail. Uh, the thing that is most important, the companies that work in those industries. Now you have access to those people that have needs, quite frankly, and need for technology, that have interest in what are you guys doing over there? What is that I'm hearing and reading about? And to that, that, that end, that's where some of these same companies, which essentially have divisions that are that, that operate almost like venture capital groups, they actively scour the country, scour the globe, really, looking for talent and tools to acquire so they can apply them to programs, whether with our government or other international groups, or with private industry. So now you're talking about people who have cachet. So if I'm an entrepreneur, if I'm a, uh, a proprietor and I've got something that I'm trying to commercialize, I don't care if it's I'm selling one thing to a million people or selling my thing to one person or one company that's going to you know, make me a lot of money because I want to do it quickly so I can get back to work and try to do it again, right? And that's what I think the port offers in some degree. You try you talking about that environment for connectivity, for interaction with larger companies, with companies that, that touch a variety of industries just off the bat. And then the the government piece, which we haven't really talked about, is another thing, another opportunity that we have in our backyard playing in different 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 sandboxes, if you will, from cybersecurity to aeronautics and aviation, which by the way touch and overlap with other interests of our, our, our national defense, things that are of a national defense concern. So it's it's exciting for me. Um, I've seen some examples from other places in the country of what's being done, and I look at where we are and what we have in terms of the pieces. Places like you know Georgia, in the state of Georgia, they're investing hundreds of millions of dollars in places like Augusta and downtown Atlanta, uh, Augusta University, Georgia Tech University, to build up things, in some cases that are far beyond where we are in Georgia Tech's case. But Augusta, they, it's the home of the U.S. Army Cyber Command at Fort Gordon. About a 20 minute and also an NSA site there too. NSA site too. So we have an NSA site here as well. Thank you. And but we're more so they're moving cyber operations there. We have a couple of decades or so of cyber operators here. Um, they are trying to grow a workforce and a workforce pipeline, academic training programs, institutions. They're you know uh, importing programs from the University of Maryland, Baltimore County to do cybersecurity training. We've got how many NSA, DHS, uh, DHS accredited um, programs here? I think just about every school, college, university in town has one of those, up to and including, I want to say pretty soon, the Alamo Colleges will have uh, the same thing, uh, I believe, an NSA accreditation. So we are, in that aspect, light years away, but what they have done, they say, listen, they recognize the need to invest in facilities put $100 million into the Georgia, uh, it's called the um, Institute for the Georgia Cybersecurity Innovation and Technology Center in, in, in Augusta, right? Okay. But it's everything we're describing we need and plan to have at our tech port down at Port San Antonio, our innovation area. So it's, it, it's exciting. 
but it's like the clock is ticking and it's hard to articulate some of these things because you can't just see it. There has to be something tangible. So that's what we're just going to launch this co-op space and try to start working some of these things so that people can start to get it and then the momentum, hopefully the investment will follow. So let me try and run something by you real quick because um, I think there's some people in the audience who might be interested in this. So if I'm a, a entrepreneur, I'm uh, trying to create um, a cybersecurity firm or maybe a cybersecurity tool or even uh, maybe just maybe just an app, right? Um, what does Port San Antonio have? Has Skip Space, as you mentioned, it's classified space. So I've heard they've had cyber. You guys have cyber ranges that are starting to stand up down there as well. What, what good would a cyber range be for so everybody? Again, we have companies there that own and operate the cyber ranges and the secure facilities, the skip uh, areas that you described. We have facilities and we have now some, some people on our staff that have managed projects of building out the skip space. So it's not, we can't build a skip space and say, hey, it's there for lease because it just doesn't work like that. Yeah. Um, the, the space couldn't be approved. It has to be, again, first of all, part of a contract vehicle I, and required. And then... But it's easier I, to obtain, though, than well, building it yourself, right? Yeah. I guess, what, I guess what he's asking is, like, when we're talking entrepreneur in the, or startup in the truest form, mm -hmm. do you guys cater to one or two, three-member teams of, you know, startups in the very early stages, mm -hmm. or are you more for them to grow into and yeah. as, as it stands right we're probably more suited for the second stage or some some companies that are a little more mature and that's why i say perhaps the 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 the, the lead in or degree of uh, professionalism or something that demonstrates i'm a, a legitimate viable firm and i've got resources behind me that is part of our plan but that's sort of our next stage and phase a future phase of build out at our site so you said you had that 90,000 square foot space right now. Innovation what, Center? Yeah, the Innovation well, We center. call that building uh, our tech building. Okay. But everything, uh, as we build out the complex around it. You know, we That's call the Innovation tech. Center. Yeah, now. we will have an Innovation Center. And it will have a better name for it. Just, <laughs> that's the loose term today. Uh, I like it. It, it gets really, across the point. And it doesn't suggest really what it's going to be. I mean, we have a lot of, that's the one thing about the port. Um, our names and the names of the things there are not what they don't they suggest something that they really aren't I'll give you a good example we have the San Antonio Museum for Science and Technology at our site okay what is that um, it is a uh, it's chaired uh, by a gentleman named uh, David Monroe who uh, has been involved in, I mean, he own, holds a number of patents. Probably chief among them is the technology used on cell phone cameras. He patented cell phone uh, camera technology. In fact, the very first cell phone sitting, cell phone camera is sitting in a uh, demonstration or what I call um, a preview center at our site. Um, he is there, been there about a year. Uh, after having been kind of displaced, he used to have the museum out at a, what is now a Tesla showroom uh, across from the Dominion and considered downtown, but someone suggested Port San Antonio. Look at that. And he came and two things stood out for him. So he has a background in engineering, physics, and he's just a, a brilliant person. But he, his, it's a passion right now to stimulate and get young people excited about careers in science, technology, math, and the things that have excited him throughout his life. 
So he's there because he saw the employers, the mechanics, the people doing work at Boeing and Standard Arrow, and he saw some of these names. He was thinking, you know what? Those employees are ideal coaches, mentors, people to connect up with the students that will come through the museum. And so the museum is not a museum in the traditional sense. He does a great job of telling a story of San Antonio's role in the evolution of technology throughout the past decade, uh, century and a half. I learn things every time I go there. He had, for example, he told me that San Antonio was one of the first places in North America, maybe even the world, but certainly um, that had wireless communications in the uh, between downtown buildings in the late 70s. Wow. They applied uh, through the F F FCC uh, for the bandwidth to be able to, to do this, and they were denied because, you know, at the time, late 70s, you needed that space for the TV stations that had to have, you know, oh, yeah, the of course. capacity. Yeah, so, of watch NBC, but, you know. But yeah, but who knew? <laughs> and that San Antonio has played a role in some of the early, uh, uh, what do you call it, laptop computers, personal computers, and things that, you know, a lot of young people, it's great to know that story. But then it culminates into an area where the kids actually build stuff. They, they get a chance to put their hands on build little radios, or they play around in robotics, and um, it's been very, very exciting, but the museum is not a museum in the sense it's a, really a place to excite young people in math, science. Here's the thing about it, too. He has a warehouse at our site, 50,000 square foot warehouse full of artifacts that he has acquired over the last 30 years. So to the extent we build out the Innovation Center, smack dab in the center of it will be the museum where we will have the demonstration, the classroom areas, the place where as students go through, that's where they get the experiential stuff that really gets the juices flowing after they've kind of seen and done, heard some things. Now they get to apply some stuff. Going back to what I said at the beginning, the port or Kelly has always been a place for applied technology. So we're going to build on that. We're going to own our heritage. We're going to build on that like a like I was going to say like something else, but like crazy. Okay, <laughs> we're going to we're going to do some something really significant for our region. We're already doing it, but everything is in the early baby stages right now because we just started to coalesce around this vision really over the last year. And I give a lot of credit to our our current CEO Jim Perspach for really getting for crystallizing a for recognizing the opportunity and then crystallizing. Hey, how do we seize upon this? And then how do we connect it up with the other? tech centers and activities going on around San Antonio. Now, he, he's the one who coined the term uh, Tech Port San Antonio. Pretty much. It, are those the same thing, Port San Antonio and Tech they Port? They are. Okay. And, and it's to better describe who we are and what yeah. we're about. Because, again, when you think port, uh, the port, you think, I think, nautical operations, I think shipping containers, I think cargo. That's not what we are. That's really not the, the bulk of any of our industry. We do have pe uh, companies that are involved in logistics management. But it's not on huge volumes because that's just not, it has never been our narrative. It may have been aspirational to some extent. We may have said, well, maybe we can play off of that and may, maybe use that to attract manufacturing and other industries. But the truth is the name is somewhat of a misnomer. But if you think about a port in the sense of, hey, even when it's a, 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 a port of trade, it's all about connecting up. Mm -hmm. You're connecting the people, you're connecting to opportunities. So, yeah, the, Let's make it 21st century. You have tech port, and your, your port in your computer terminals or your laptops and things, so tech port. 
Ah, makes sense. Can I take that. So, I, I like that. I, I've heard, I've heard warehouse. I've heard, you know, proving ground. I've heard development environment. Mm-hmm. I, I off your website, I saw that you have housing down there yeah. as part of it. Um, what about restaurants, coffee, bars? You know, you're going to have so an army of developers. That's down one of there. our deficiencies right now. <laughs> so we do have one restaurant, and it is uh, a pizzeria. Uh, I'm trying to think of the name of it right now. No, we we got the flyers at our work, so yeah. we we have a little uh, we we have the advantage of working down in the mm-hmm. port, San Antonio, and so we've seen how everything's kind of evolved in the last two three years, and things mm-hmm. have been renovated. But I see like strip mall areas so, down there. So is here's there? what we're going to have as part of our master plan development, which is in the process. Probably, and I may be ahead of myself in saying this, but I'm quite certain that we will have a um, a proposal. Uh, for from for some land use planning come out very soon from our shop. So we're going to take that to the community, get some 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 ideas, some feedback. We have a structure and a frame for what we're going to do. But now we, from an aesthetic standpoint, you know, we're from get some professionals in here to really, you know, take what we have as an idea and concept and make sure that it flows well uh, from in a, in a practical sense. But as we do that, the, the retail and what we would call the restaurant type component, yeah, it's got to be there because we have over 13,000 people working there now. Again, it doesn't feel like it because a lot of those operations are behind fences or behind secure facilities. They start rather early in the day. Their days are ending right about now or a little bit before. So there's a mass exodus around 4 or 5 o'clock from the, the property. But as we build up the commercial office presence there, now you're talking about extended work hours. But more importantly for us, I could easily see a a, a beer garden type restaurant thing that has you know live music or you know, somebody in the corner playing music every day of the week up until 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. It would be a destination site. I could easily see as we develop our back shop. Thank you, our back shop. Um, our, or, or what we call our garage space, industrial lab for the, the, the downtown entrepreneur community. We get the connectivity. We get the traffic down there. We can see people parking there and then taking the shuttle via provided shuttle here. Spend your day here, do what you want to do, and then shuttle back, and it's a 15-minute shuttle ride, and you get there. But it's free parking, but it's a benefit that we can offer. Because um, you have that critical mass of businesses yeah. and exactly. space that people are going to be going back and forth to. Yeah. And, and to the extent we start to connect up, not just downtown to, to the port, but downtown to some other critical areas where you know you have some tech activities, then we start to really uh, build off of each other's momentum. And then there's real synergy and leverage, and we become stronger together. And as we pool our limited resources, we, we can go do some things a little bit farther. Because I, I, I'm quite confident that the things that UTSA does downtown, we will still be able to offer up some of the same, hey, if you need lab space, if you need shop space to do what you need to do with some of these industry partners that you have or government partners that you have, you know, do it in you know, both their backyards. You know, if you're working with the government that's pretty much located at the port, make it convenient for them. We, we can accommodate them by, you know, university by providing space for their programmed uh, research and development. So that's what we're saying. You know, we're all about collaboration. We're all about connectivity. We're all about thinking, you know, creatively. And uh, we see not ourselves as the answer to all things, but we know we've got some value to 
certainly the local entrepreneur community and a host of others that that, that want to partner up with us. Perfect. Awesome. Well, I, I think with that, we'll roll into our final five questions. These are the same five questions that we ask every guest on our show, get to know you a little bit more. Um, number one is, what is your favorite business book? Okay, so, so I like biographies, autobiographies. I like to read people's accounts and stories. I don't have a favorite one, but I will tell you, um, you know, unlike, you know, the, the business books that I say uh, you, you get at an, through an MBA course or some leadership program, you know, those are great, but it's all subjective. But I know um, from what I understand about entrepreneurs and sole proprietors and people, whatever it takes to keep you motivated, because I think that's part of the, the romance of being uh, a, a small business person or a business owner, it's that grind and that process that you go through, that kind of starving period. But I will tell you, anything that gives someone the inspiration and motivation, because I may not resonate, the Steve Jobs story may not resonate to me today like it would to you or someone else. So I just, I, I'm always thrilled by biographies. And then I kind of like reading about people locally. So whether it's small business, large business, people that we see or have had contact with, whether it's an Ed Whitaker and the American Turnaround or you know, someone else that's uh, close in our community that that we've seen and heard, it becomes a little more tangible when you read kind of maybe some of their challenges. They tend to be a lot more open about their challenges after they've succeeded, right? Um, and then if it's something local that we know about the politics or the environment, again, it just seems to be a little bit uh, more impactful, in my opinion. Um, in terms of books, though, one that I, I, I'm fond of... Uh, encouraging people to check out with just one that at the always top of mind is uh, Future Crimes. And I'm trying to think of the Daniel, uh, it's kind of dated now, it's about 10 years old, but it was about um, cyber security and cyber crimes. It was written by a guy who was a former FBI uh, intelligence um, investigator, FBI investigator, but he evolved in his career into an intelligence investigator, cyber crimes investigator, right? And he, in the book, the premise of the book is that criminals have always been early adapters to innovation. Uh, they, when their stagecoach became prominent, they, rather than rob a bank, let's rob this, or I think, what was it, uh, rather than rob a bank, let's rob a stagecoach and, you know, everybody on it or something on it. I mean, but it's that type of thing. You look at the prevalence of cyber crimes. This is what they were talking about 10 years ago, and it's interesting to see kind of where we are and the threats that have both uh, evolved and the ones that still exist and the ones that are that were referenced in the book about quantum computing and things that were way out, now it's right on us. And so it really raises the nature, the, the red flags and the concerns that, that at least I have and I'm sure others have about uh, you know our security and our data and, and how um, technology will soon over or could uh, overtake our lives in ways that we didn't anticipate. We call those current crimes now, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, the past crimes. Had to throw it out there. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, number two is what are your hobbies? You know, most of my hobbies now, it, it, you know, so I have two young children. So my hobbies have kind of re uh, regressed. And so my hobbies involve things that seven and eight, uh, seven and four year olds like. So. Um, usually my, my spare time is spent with them and whatever thing they're into these days and whether it's um, 
know, building things with Legos or certain cartoons that, um, you know, I have nothing, have no concept about the Pokemon phase that my son went through a few years ago. Um, he has an, an encyclopedia for Pokemon characters, about 500 pages. And I tell you, he knew everything, it seems, about every one of them, about <laughs> which one was an ev evolutionary Pokemon, a legendary Pokemon, what the powers <laughs> were. And the bear, kid could barely read. So it was, well, I was like, hey, if, if that keeps you reading, keep keep at it. Yeah, you owe his uh, fifth grade le reading level directly to that. So, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Thank God for Pokemon. Yeah, so. uh, number three is, uh, where's your favorite place to eat in San Antonio? Favorite place to eat. So, again, I'm, I, I try to um, try to support you know, local small businesses. Um, favorite places, I will tell you, it varies. You know, if I come across something for the first time, I usually think it's cool and I refer everybody to it. Like, um, I remember when Feast first opened, I thought that was pretty cool. It felt kind of nice. Lately, uh, because my boss said, you know, he said, you know, everybody, that we had this conversation about having your place, right, to meet and do things. So lately I've been meeting at, at, at uh, at the at uh, is it the uh, local five points uh, local uh, I'm about to call it local yeah, coffee I'm a fan yeah yeah five points local so I mean that's kind of a, it's different it's kind of off the beaten path but it's uh, kind of cool to kind of set up meetings it's kind of centrally located um, but yeah I'm yeah, yeah I, I'm doing a poor job of telling you what my favorites are. <laughs> Sorry. Really we got a few now, well, so. Yeah, this one uh, might be easier then. Uh, what do you think sets apart successful business owners from those that fail? Persistence, um, just the willingness and the ability to persevere. Um, I think uh, it's not about, you know, the, the swiftest or the smartest, but in some cases, it's literally who can endure until uh, the end. And then... Just being uh, adaptable. If you can, you know, again, the, the first blush, the first idea doesn't always stick. And sometimes that's, that it was never meant to be, but it, that's your, your start, your, your, your A point A or whatever, but sometimes you need to get to your second, third iteration and maybe plan C or D is the one that actually plays out and it's just a small portion of what you originally envisioned or, or thought of as a, uh, a business. So I've worked not as a, a small business person, but I've been around a lot of small business people. I've seen a lot of them, a handful, become very successful, uh, maybe not large, but certainly wealthy uh, business people. And I can remember people like David Spencer when he was not a, uh, a wealthy guy, you know what I mean? started his business, oh, by the way, out at Kelly, at what's now Port San Antonio, just to throw that in. I can think about some other people who, uh, when I worked uh, at the Greater San Antonio Chamber of Commerce, I remember getting this one call, a lady who was in, uh, you know, involved in the travel industry, and she got this government contract, and she had done some government work already, but this was a doozy, and she called me one day, say, Marcelo. I'm not going to be on your small business council and what I got bad news. I'm not going to be a small business anymore. <laughs> it's and, a good problem to have, though. But it's cool because now I look at, I mean, I, over the last couple of decades, I can see magazines and she's listed in these Forbes list as one of the top uh, Hispanic business owners, women owned business owners in the U.S., you know, in terms of revenue. And just, and it's just exciting to me. So I know it's possible. It's great to see these people have such great success. 
I don't take any credit for it. It's just kind of cool to be around it and, and, and to see it. It's awesome. Yeah, I think there's a, we're seeing a trend here. I think that might have been the perseverance is uh, yeah, come up the in key every factor apparently. Since, yeah, grind. <laughs> All right. Well, number five is where can people find out more about you or about the Port San Antonio? Port San Antonio Port. Uh, the the web address is port p o r t san antonio altogether dot u s as in United States. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, and we're going to have that museum to get the young guys uh, and oh, girls yes, out yes, there. Yes, that's yes. going to yes, that's going to get them involved. Another shameless plug. So the San Antonio Museum, or for 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 science and technology, also SAMSAT s a m s a t. Uh, dot com or dot org i think it is dot org check it out um they are open on saturdays general to the general public throughout the week they host student groups from the various schools and school districts throughout san antonio so nine to i want to say 3 p.m and it's really cool a lot of nice things people always walk away really impressed and saying you know you need to you need a bigger space like yeah we do and, you know <laughs> Uh, and that will happen, and that's to come. But right now, the preview center is there. It's about a 5,000-square-foot area, and they do remarkable things. Uh, Del Bracey, uh, Drew Placette, some other guys that play around in the downtown area also have been volunteering and helping with the museum for the better part of the last year. And it is really coming along, and uh, it's going to be something once that gets fully built and we get it curated and it becomes a destination for San Antonio, hopefully on par with the museum and some of the other offerings around town. Very cool. Very awesome. cool. Well, hey, I wanted to thank everyone who came out to uh, today's live podcast. This is the first time we've ever done it live and uh, we've had fun. Hopefully you've enjoyed it and we're definitely going to try to do this again sometime. So thanks for coming out. And we want to thank uh, Mr. Marcel Johnson for coming out for sure talking about the framework that you guys are building out there for small businesses to grow into it's awesome and definitely get to the museum so thanks guys thanks so much appreciate it the startup club podcast where we're working to make san antonio the destination for small business and entrepreneurs everywhere we'd like to say thank you to our sponsors our music producers and most importantly you our listeners thanks for tuning in join the club at sastartupclub.com slash join